Once again, we welcome you here to Western Park Baptist Church. Trust that as we meet uh, in this service and our time together, you will sense God's uh, presence with you. We look at a famous piece uh, today known as The Rich Young Ruler, although it's interesting that it takes the three Gospels, the three synoptics, to uh, come together to give us that picture of the rich young ruler, one note from each of the Gospels, but the composite is indeed that. But it's framed, the story is framed by the verse in Mark 10, 15, just presages our our unit. Um, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. That's Jesus' statement to his disciples when Parents are bringing their little ones for Jesus to bless them, and the disciples are trying to hinder that. They're afraid that Christ is getting, you know, too bothered by all the crowds. And Jesus says, no, hold on, hold on. And then he says this, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Meaning that we are to live our lives in dependence on God. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line that we can't earn our way, we can't go through a, a big checklist, and if we do all these things, then you know, we'll be received. The whole thing is gift. And so when Christ highlights little children, he's highlighting the fact that they just naturally know that they are de- dependent on mom and dad, that they, they can't do it on their own. So they are depending. And it's that sense of dependence, of recognizing that salvation is all gift. We are called to live in, you know, decent, good lives for Christ, for sure, but salvation is gift. And that truth and that reality is what really comes to the fore in our story of the rich young ruler. That this individual needs to know and learn that salvation is gift and we need to depend and engage ourselves in this sense of dependence and radical discipleship. And this is an area that the rich young ruler is having, will have trouble with. So as we carry on in our text then, Mark 10, we read, as he was setting out on a journey... A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the first verse. Here, note, it's just a statement, a man ran up. So Jesus and the disciples are journeying. They're making their way to Jerusalem. They're on a journey. Journey theme is one of the you know, big themes and and symbols, if you like, that is used in the Gospels, and particularly in Mark, Christ is on a journey, and we are on a journey with him. So this man runs up and kneels before him. So he's, he's, he's very interested, and he shows that in his actions, and he begins by saying, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when we hear the phrase eternal life in Mark, that's also a synonym for the kingdom of God. What must I do to enter, inherit the kingdom of God? Or in Paul's language, what must I do to know my true self? 
the true self that is always acceptable before God is eternal in that sense. And so this story falls into three episodes, and this is the first one, the rich young ruler traveling to Jesus. So we hear him saying, you know, what must I do? Right, right off we catch that, right? We're going to find out that he's rich, he's used to be able to do things, write a check, get things done, so what must I do? He's assuming that it's up to him that he has to do something and he wants to do that, whatever it is, so that he might enter into the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting that Jesus responds to that and he, and he says, challenges him a little bit by saying, you know, why are you calling me good? The only one good is the Father, God the Father. And in that statement, we're not to read, you know, some sort of theological thing where Jesus is not saying he's good or part of the divine family, none of, none of that. What he's just saying, in your worldview, you are looking at people either good or bad. It's either this or that. And you see me as good. That's all very nice, but, but that, we have to look at that right away. Because finally, it's gift you're going to have to know. It's not about being good or bad. It's, it's receiving the gift from God. So he challenges this young man on that statement. Nevertheless, Jesus responds, well, a good way to start is to keep the commandments, to keep the Ten Commandments. And he refers to some of them that are in the statement uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus chapter 20, in terms of keeping the commandments. Do those things. The man says, well, you know what? I've, I've been doing those since I was a young person. And so Mark is recognizing that this is a, a decent person. This is a pious person. He's trying to live before God and he wants to keep the Ten Commandments. So some of those are listed. And then we're told that Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Here we get, get into it a bit. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So there are five verbs used here. Go, sell, give, come, and follow. There's one thing you lack. And that is, you are holding on to your treasures too tightly. You need to get rid of those. But then I want you to come and actually be part of my group. I want you to be part of my band of disciples. I want that. So you go and do that and then come and follow me. Join my group. And, and Jesus looks at him and Mark says that he loves him. It's the root of agape. He loves him. He sees that this is a decent, good individual who wants to go deeper. That's what he's picking up. But go and do that. Go sell, give to the poor, and come and follow me. So that, that's where this episode is going. The man shows interest. Jesus engages him in conversation. And then finally the point comes to, you know, the edge here. And this is what I want you to do. And, and then here's what we learn. We learn that this man refuses. He turns around sad and he leaves. 
It's interesting, this story is the only one in the Gospels where Jesus invites one, someone to come and follow, and the individual actually refuses. So Jesus, the Son of God, invites this man to come and be with me. The only time. And he refuses. And it's interesting, why? Because here, Mark introduces, and here's the first time we actually see that he's rich. He leaves because he was rich and had many treasures, had many possessions, and had lands, and he would not give them over. He would not sell them and follow the simple lifestyle of Christ and the other disciples to be with him. He refuses that because of his riches. The only one in all the Gospels who does that and he does it because of his attachment to riches. And indeed, the man is sad. The man is grieved, we're told. It's a strong word. He's grieved over this. But nevertheless, he turns away and walks away. He won't give up his possessions. He's sad about it, but he won't do it. So the man refuses and leaves. And so as this first episode comes to a close, I mean, you know, we could go on on this one, but it, the point is, is the man has to make a choice. The person, the individual, known as the rich young ruler, has to choose. And the choice is Jesus or his riches. Because Jesus knows that, that that's a hindrance for him. He's not picking on wealth just as such, but... For this individual, this is a block. And he won't commit to Christ because of them. He will not let go of his possessions. He is attached to his stuff. And this attachment prevents him from following. And of course, we all know that we also have our attachments. They may not be wealth. They could be something else altogether. What are our attachments? What's the stuff that we hold on to? Could be how people think of us. Could be our career. Could be certain relationships. Whatever we're holding on that becomes a block or a barrier, we actually want it more than we want Jesus. So I don't think it's just something that this individual faces. We also have to think in terms of our own choices as we make our journey of faith. In this Pentecost season now, first we've started after Easter, now we're in Pentecost. As we make our decision to follow Christ, how committed are we? And Jesus is looking for a radical discipleship. I don't want anything in your life that you value more than your relationship with the Godhead. He is creator, we are creatures. Ultimately, that is our first priority. That's what Jesus is saying. He models that. And so if you're going to be a disciple and come and follow me, then I want you modeling that too. <coughs> Makes sense. But the man won't do it. So that's, that's the first episode. That's where we go. Big, I think it's a big story for us as moderns in the wealthy West. 
In fact, Jesus is going to make some points on that as he moves on to the second episode. Hear the text. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is now going to do some teaching that flows out of this interaction with this individual. And so it's a challenge, and the challenge that Mark is making is to the wealthy, is to the rich regarding discipleship. We can't lose that and just say it's about whatever barrier it is. Particularly, it is about that. And Jesus says plainly, it is difficult for the rich to enter God's kingdom. It's not impossible, but it is hard. And it's interesting, the disciples, we're told, are amazed. <clears throat> and the word amazement comes up twice. And they are amazed because in the Jewish tradition, in the Old Testament, if you were blessed with money, that was seen as a blessing from God. So we have, in, you know, today in our churches, well, there'll be a commitment to wealth and to gain, because if you have that, then you're blessed. Well, Jesus is countering that. He says that may be part of, the, of our tradition in the past, but that's not where we are today. Riches in themselves are not to be seen as some blessing from God, so you cannot give them up. This is difficult for them to understand. And in fact, when Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, and that's what he means, a big camel passing through a little hole in a needle. It's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. He says it's easier for a camel to do that than for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples now are blown away. The word for amazement is taken up a notch. It's emphasized. It's to be super amazed. And they're super amazed because it's a challenge to the way they've been brought up. If you're rich, then you are blessed from God. That's how it was seen. If you're a billionaire, well, it's because you're blessed. If you win the lottery, the max, and you win $50 million, well, then that's a, that's a blessing. That's God's gift to you. <clears throat> Jesus is challenging that idea. You may get money, but, the, but don't go on about it as being some great blessing. It can also just be the roll of the dice. And so the disciples are challenged here. And Jesus wants to pursue that. And so in verse 24, he follows it up by saying, well, that's true, but you know what? It's difficult for everybody. <clears throat> Note verse 24, and the disciples were perplexed at these words. NRSV gets at that super amazement by being perplexed. But then Jesus says, note, children, calls his disciples children, the only time he does that here in Mark, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And for Mark, you see, he's bringing that back and connecting it to the previous story where Jesus is saying we are to become like children. <laughs> so now Jesus calls them children. And he says it is difficult for all how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Why? <clears throat> because it's gifts. We, we can't do it on our own. So it is a challenge. It is a gift. But it is particularly a challenge, as we've seen, with those who are very wealthy, and he gives this Proverbs 25, a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle. It can't really be done. That's exaggeration, but he's making a point. But then he ends it in verse 27, but 
For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible, and that is good news for us. The good news is that our salvation is dependent on God's gift. And so it's impossible for us, but it is indeed possible for God to do that because God is God. And salvation is a gift through faith, by God's grace. That's all the Pauline teaching. But it's laid out here by Jesus. So you can't write a check. You know, you can't donate a million dollars to your local charity and then think that's going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. It can be a beautiful deed, but that's not the point. Salvation is gift. Good news. And if we think we can do it on our own, then we're going to be disappointed. So for the rich, and this is where it sums up Jesus' teaching here on the, the issue of money and wealth, the challenge is for the rich, and it's, it's a challenge for us today too in the West, that we become preoccupied with money and possessions and style of living. It becomes a preoccupation for us so that money becomes so important that it becomes our central concern. And this is where it resonates for us. Because money is not to become a distraction. It is not to become an obstacle. Distraction means to be pulled apart. And so if our concern for money is that we are being pulled apart, then we're, we're losing our focus on God and Christ and putting it on our, our, on our monies in the bank. We are not to be preoccupied. But in our economic system, it's a big pull that way. And we have to constantly keep giving our lives back to God and trust and dependence on him. So when Jesus says, do not be anxious about anything or do not be anxious about tomorrow, sufficient is the day, those kinds of verses are encouraging us to not be preoccupied with whatever we're looking at. And so often in our Western culture, we're preoccupied with money. And so there we must see there is a real resonance with this story. Jesus is saying, remember that it's a divine gift. It is God's gift to us. And you know, that, that's, that's good news. We know that at the bottom, I think. <clears throat> we know that we cannot earn our way into heaven because we screw up so much. We get our self, our false self, front and center, and that's what we hold on to. And we're all concerned about ourselves, ourselves and ourselves, and we miss out. And so it isn't some big checklist we have to do, it is gift. And then out of response, we are thankful to God's goodness to us, and then we desire to live for him. That's, that's the exchange that God is looking for. So that's episode two. Short, briefly, episode three. Peter jumps in. Peter began to say to him, remember Peter sort of acts as the spokesperson for this group, look Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, that's the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, 
with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So when Peter says, hey, hey, you know, we're, we're following you, really, we have left, we are in, with you in this simple lifestyle and commitment to the gospel. And Jesus says, well, that's good. And you will be rewarded for that. First of all, in community, it's one of the reasons why church community is so important, live in community, not as lone rangers, walk with each other in community, that's a reward. And then ultimately, in the kingdom of God, the full reign of God, we will also be blessed. But it's not just then, it is both now and then. That's episode 3, Mark 10, 28 to 31. So Jesus says, hey, Peter says, sorry, hey, we're, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then Jesus acknowledges it and says, okay, the simple lifestyle, focusing on mission and ministry, sharing with me, that is indeed the way we are to go. So this then speaks to our priorities and our values. Will we engage the life of discipleship? What are our priorities? What are our values? It sort of sums up this unit on wealth. Keep our focus on God, depend on him, trust in him. Make God the main thing in our lives, really, and walk with his son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our invitation. So in sum, what do we hear? Well, first of all, the Gospels put it together. Matthew, he's a young man. Luke, he's a ruler. And Mark, he's rich. It's only Mark, actually, who adds that note that he's rich. This composite, the rich young ruler. And Jesus says, okay, we hear the story. Let's keep our focus on what is important because it's very easy to give that focus up and fall into the temptation of comfort, of convenience, of just wanting a very, very comfortable lifestyle. That's our real goal. Jesus says that's a temptation. So be careful on that front, but be beyond that, even beneath that, is to root out in our lives whatever is hindering our following of Jesus. It could be pride, it could be selfishness, it could be other practices that we're engaged in, it could be objects, things. Whatever that is, root it out and make our focus God and live for him. That's, that's the deeper story of this unit. Will we do that? And then finally, because of that, be grateful. Be grateful for the gift of salvation beyond any works. Be thankful. Recognize what God has done for us in Jesus and that he is a good God for you and for me. And what he wants is for us to simply say yes, to live with open hands and say yes, and to keep him the center of our lives and as we do that, good things indeed will happen. So I pray these three episodes, we might hear them, put them together, think about them this week, and see what, what's, what's going on in your life, my life, that either enables or gets in the way of walking with Christ and living for him in our journey of faith. And I offer these words, indeed, in Jesus' name, amen.